the federal government is not paying a cent right now for refugees housing, period. The federal government is not paying. So what do we do now? All right, yeah, Olivia Chow, a couple of months ago saying, yeah, we're not getting the money from the feds for uh, refugees and asylum seekers. And still they're not coming to the table with what they owe and are supposed to be responsible for. And so at 10 o'clock this morning, 15 minutes from now, faith leaders from all communities will uh, send a letter addressed to the Deputy Prime Minister, Minister for Immigration, Refugee, and Citizenship of Canada, signed by 170 different groups that are demanding. They want to know what the Trudeau government is going to do and when it will live up to the responsibility to care and pay for refugees and asylum seekers that are still coming in every day. They still can't get supports. They still can't get documentation. And they are ending up on our streets and in the city of Toronto, like downtown. And it's one thing in the summer. It's bad enough in the summer that th- these were the images we were seeing all over the place. Well, that was winter. It's going to be a lot colder. And it's going to get very cold very soon. And so what is the plan? And why is it like pulling teeth? If it weren't for all these faith-based groups and community centers taking these people in, Lord knows what would happen. But now they want some answers to something that's not even their responsibility. Let me uh, bring in Pastor Eddie Ajimba. He's a Dominion International Church over on uh, Shepherd Avenue, one of the many groups who has been uh, carrying a lot of weight for the federal government. Good to have you, Pastor. Good. Thank you, uh, Alex. Thanks for having me. I think a lot of people, Pastor, felt that this was a settled deal, right? Because we had all those headlines in the summer, and everyone all of a sudden jumped into action, and the Fed said, okay, well, we'll give this money and we'll do this, but everyone else has to come to the table. And I think once the community groups or the churches like yours took them off the streets, everyone thought, oh, it's done. Everything's good. But it actually, nothing, nothing seems to have been solved. Thank, uh, if there's one thing I would like to achieve, even if you gave me 30 seconds, mm-hmm. I would want to make sure that every Canadian, every person listening to me knows that the problem has not even been, not even been scratched. It's not even been scratched. It's very unfortunate that somehow you're right to point that out. Somehow there's this picture that, yeah, now once the churches took in some people and once their big announcement, big announcement about some big monies, once that was done, they thought the problem was taken care of. Not, not even close. Mm-hmm. In my experience, which is uh, quite reliable, the numbers have only gone big. The numbers have only have gone more up than they have gone down. Right. So we still are in a crisis, and it's a shame that the response doesn't quite match what uh, the the word crisis uh, should be responded to. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's not just Toronto. I mean, this is happening in communities all across, uh, you know, Ontario for sure, Quebec and all, all sorts of other provinces. But if it weren't for groups like yours or, or faith uh, leaders stepping up and, and, um, and helping, it's hard to know what would have happened to these people. Like, what are the, Do you have a breakdown, Pastor, of the numbers that you and others are dealing with on a daily basis, how many you are caring for? Yeah, I can speak to, uh, for sure, I can speak to two sites that I'm very familiar with. There's an average, for the last a good three months, there's been an average of about 215 people every day. sleeping. And these are new people or the same people? So every day some people arrive. At least you have about eight people arriving every day. And when you're full to capacity, you have absolutely nothing to do but to turn them away. And this has been the most difficult part of doing this. And so let me just clarify. And that 215, that is just 
at a couple of facilities? Is it more numbers than that at other facilities? Yeah, if I'm to give the the broader picture of all facilities together, which I'm a little bit familiar with still because of uh, how deeply we've been involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking about definitely more than a thousand, and that was that number we arrived at it at least in uh, uh, early September. Right. We, we we took a pause to just answer the question about numbers, and yes, it was uh, in the thousands. What? That has not changed. Yeah. Yeah, so so part of the challenge has been, and it not, it never should have been a challenge, is that once people get here, uh, seeking asylum seekers or, or refugees, they're supposed to be able to get access to supports and government services, which allows them to get their health card or their social insurance number or whatever it is, or the work permits information, so that they can actually start working and setting themselves up. And that is that still not happening? So it's happening, but it's very slow. So the typical or the ideal journey of uh, an asylum seeker they arrive at the airport or whichever port of entry, mm-hmm. they are received with some dignity, Alex. So a little dignity, we're not even thinking too much. We are, we are, we are talking about a roof, mm-hmm. a, a warm place, uh, some food, and then you take them through the processes, work permit, social insurance number, a health card, and they're off. You settle them for three months and they are off. But that they are, and they are gone because they know how to live independent. Mm. <laughs> they have lived in even harsh, more harsh circumstances than here. So they know what it's like to live independently. They just don't know what it's like to live in the cold. That, that for a lot of them, it's like a shock. Like they have oh. not seen cold, right? So they're, That's there's a whole other yeah. story. Yeah. So, but what I wanted to say was that when you do these processes fairly quick, it's a win-win. You have people out of uh, this dependency state because now they're independent. They have their work permit. They have a health card. They are able to manage. Because this system has sometimes disorganized that as it may look. It is highly organized in the sense that if you don't have some specific things like a work permit, social insurance number, health card, life will be next to impossible for you. So when we delay those things, we are, we are creating a, a problem, which a problem that is very preventable. We have seen, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should get into this, but I feel like I should just... <laughs> well, they can't, well, the bottom line is they can't get what they should have been able to get a long time ago because we have a system that's been around for a long time. And so it's up to people like you now to step up and you're not obligated, but you're doing it. And a number of other groups are doing it. And the, and the issue is... How are you supposed to do it as, as demands continue to grow? So the letter you are, are going to be delivering is demanding that the federal, uh, uh, you know, that the government allows for the federal, the armories in Toronto to be used for emergency accommodation, um, as well as, you know, increasing the number of spaces in federal hotel programs, as well as a reception center at Pearson Airport. I thought the reception, I thought that was already set up at the, at the airport, so shame on them. Um, oh, no. but, but the other thing is, yeah. so they have not done anything. I'm not sure the armories will work um, just because we do need them for training. But by now, there should have been a plan. And, and so when you come on and talk to me and, and you're telling me that there's no plan at all and we're two to three weeks away from possibly snow, I mean, it's, it's, it's not okay. I'm oh, being polite. Oh, yeah, you are being extremely polite and I appreciate that. I want to be like you when I grow up. I want to be polite. <laughs> I will tell you that... Uh, what the churches have done, and many other uh, community organizations, uh, black-led organizations, what we have done for the last four months, Alex, mm-hmm. is to think outside of the box. So what I a novel concept, right, Pastor? I, I agree with you. Yeah. The, 
the armories are not necessarily the solution, but this is us saying, mm-hmm. come on, think outside of the box as we have done for the last four months. Treat these people with some dignity, a little dignity. You're thinking the winter is coming? No, for, for, for my brothers and sisters from Africa, which is the big, mm-hmm. yeah. the big population in terms of uh, who has been affected by the current situation we are talking about. Winter is already here. So last Sunday, we were leaving the church premise and there was this young lady, Alex, and she says, Pastor, I feel like little nails are going through my skin. <laughs> she had been standing outside of the door of the church because there was no space for anyone. But she's describing how she's feeling because of how Sunday night was. And really what she was describing would be like your typical January weather. Mm -hmm. And we are just in November. So to the African uh, skin, a person who just came here, no, we are already in the winter, as winter as it gets. Yeah, hey, trust me, I've been here my whole life, and it's, I'm not happy either. So I, I get it. And so how many more, uh, Pastor, how many more can you take before, I mean, we're crisis now, but how many more can you take before you're now turning people away? Uh, so I, I was, I, I'll answer this question with all honesty. We have uh, rules to follow in terms of the standards which for me now is a very ironic word. Mm. Because for me, the first shelter standard should be that people have a shelter. That should be the first. That should be standard number one, mm-hmm. that people have a roof over their head. Now, when the country, when the city does not provide that, I, I don't even feel that they have the moral authority to talk about standards yeah. when the first basic standard has been violated. So I'm going to your question, how many can we take in? It is true that we've had to improvise beyond imagination in terms of how many can we take in. Yeah. We do have a number in terms of uh, what the fire marshal came and uh, uh, advised in terms of safety. But sometimes we find that because of the crisis, because of the emergence, because of people, literally, we, we are looking at a public health crisis. Because of that, we end up taking in a little bit more people than what we should be. For one, it's not a a place where people should be sleeping in the first place. So I don't have a good answer to the question of how many can you take in? But the reality is we can't take in everybody. If you gave me a 40,000 square feet building, we will run that building. Uh, we, will, we will take in as many people as we can. If you give me an armory, we'll run it. Right, right. Well, look, uh, we'll continue the conversation. We'll see how your letter's received, and we'll keep the pressure on. And I know all of you will continue to think outside the box. You just shouldn't have to. Pastor, thank you very much. Thank you, Alex, for shining light on this. We really appreciate that. And all the good-willed Canadians who are doing something about this, we really appreciate. We are surviving on donations. You bet. Pastor Eddie Jumba joining us uh, to talk about something they shouldn't have to talk about.